0: and welcome to the hearth and hedge podcast my name is amber lee and i'm so happy to have you today today's guest is a high priestess and the award-winning author of paganism for prisoners and paganism on parole please welcome owen dawn
1: hello everyone
0: hi thank you so much for joining me today owen
1: thanks for having me
0: i'm excited Yes, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, So first, uh, why don't you take a little bit of time to introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, all those fun things.
1: Well, so um, from kind of depends on uh, your definition. I was born in California, grew up in Colorado. Um, Now I live in London in the UK, and um, this is where I now consider myself from because I don't because I don't plan on leaving, Um, uh, at least not for a while anyway. Um, And let's see, I'm, as you mentioned, I'm the author of two books, soon to be three. I am working on my third book for Llewellyn, which is a book of spells and rituals and meditations, um, one of which I'm going to share with you guys later. So that's exciting.
0: That is exciting. So how did you end up in London? Okay, don't
1: mind me asking. No, I don't mind at all. So um, this is kind of a good segue into a lot of the questions I usually get asked. So um, I I finished my undergrad in um, integrative healthcare at MSU Denver. And um, even though I love the program, I called it the hippie degree because, like, We would learn about energy medicine and uh, plant medicine and traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, By the time I was done, I had pretty much decided it was not what I wanted to do with my life. Um, And by this time... I'd been in Denver for like 10 years at this point, Colorado my whole life. Um, I'm not going to give a specific number on that one, but uh, (laughs) longer than 10 years. And uh, I decided um, I wanted to change. So I was looking at creative writing programs. By by the time I I graduated with my undergrad, I had written um, Paganism for Prisoners and most of Paganism on Parole. It was it was nearing completion, so I really knew that I wanted to write, and I wanted to um, get into fiction. So I'm looking at all these colleges I can go to, and um, like London has always held a special appeal for me because some of the most amazing writers in the history of literature have lived in the UK. So mm-hmm. um, plus the big city, and um, you know. Denver's a city, but it's it's a little city and it's mm-hmm. a, a sprawled out city. And um, so I actually applied to City University of London and I applied to Emerson um, in Boston and there was another place I applied. Um, I think I applied to DU in Denver and I actually ended up getting into City University of London. And so I sold, donated, rehomed, 98% of everything I owned. Like Some people were like, oh, are you going to put it in storage? And I just didn't see the point in having everything in storage. Mm-hmm. So I came to London with like four suitcases and a backpack. You know, and wow. um, yeah, and, and I started the program here and uh, it, it's been such, uh, such a life change. You know, everything is uh, just a little different over here. Like you don't get sodas and like, a bat <laughs> they're much smaller here same thing with coffees you know um but i i love it and uh, i feel inspired and i think my first month here i went and did every touristy thing i could because by the time i reach a year in london people have jokingly told me you're not allowed to do touristy stuff anymore but I'm like, I'm still going to
0: and that's funny uh, well, that's exciting. Uh, there's something to be said for people who can just up and leave. Um, I used to be able to do things like that. I don't think I'm brave enough anymore, but, uh, but yeah, that's very cool. So one of the things that I love to do on the podcast is just discuss with uh, my people, what are they drinking at the time that we're having our conversation?
1: Well, so I am drinking super exquisite um, water. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes.
1: um, I also, because I get really thirsty, I've also got aloe water. So mm. two different types of water. Um, you know, always for things like this, I like to stay hydrated. You know, yes. um, soda can like catch in your throat and stuff like that.
0: So yeah, hey, water. Water's great. Water's great. Yeah. I'm drinking decaf because. Okay. I really, I would love to drink two pots of coffee a day, but it's really mm-hmm. bad for you. So I drink two pots of coffee a day, but one of them is decaf.
1: Okay, that's <laughs> a good compromise. Now, because, I, like, before I moved here, I used to drink, like, a whole pot of coffee every day by myself. Mm-hmm. And since um, I'm out and about a lot more when I'm in London, I end up buying coffee. So I only do, like, two a day now,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: which is probably really good for my health, so...
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not good to put that much caffeine in your body. Um, and to be fair, I only have one cup out of the first pot cause my family shares the other one. Uh- <laughs> See, So it's, it really doesn't even count. That's right. That's right. It's just, it's just coffee flavored water after that. <laughs> <Exactly>. Um, <laughs> so are you reading anything exciting? I'm sure you have a ton of like school books, but.
1: I, I do have a ton of school books. Um, I'm actually reading The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath and Do Not Say We Have Nothing by Madeline Fian, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Don't quote me on that. Um, both of those are for school. Um, but I did just get done reading um, All the Things We Cannot Say by Kelly Rimmer. I was like, oh, a book has never made me cry so hard in my life. I had to have one that was just pleasure reading because um, mm-hmm. it had been a while. And... Oh, oh, if you need a good cry, like, read that book. It's just heart-wrenching. And, like, by nope. the end, I'm like, oh, and I can't even, like, compose myself. And it's a good thing I read it at home
0: and not when I was on the tube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so for anyone who's not from London, the tube is the Underground Railroad, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I knew that, but somebody definitely probably didn't. <laughs> I, that's true. It's one of the many Britishisms I've picked up over here.
0: Well, I spent a couple summers with uh, some really amazing British people, and I ended up saying things like the boot, uh, you know, all those all those British things by the end of both of those summers. And my family was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it just... I- wears off.
1: (laughs) I know the feeling, a lot of my friends over here are British and so they'll correct Mm -hmm. me on things. They'll be like, what did you say? And I'll be like, I said the lift.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Um, So if you'd like to discuss, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your practice? Sure. Um, So
1: I kind of it's almost like a hodgepodge because I am a firm believer in like, if you need to work with a deity, you work with that deity, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, it, my path has taken several transitions over the years. Um, You know, Greek, Egyptian, Celtic. Now I work a lot with the Norse gods, um, mm-hmm. particularly uh, Freya and Odin. I'm seeing the Morrigan come back a lot now that I'm in London, though. And, you know, when the Morrigan gives you a sign, you don't ignore it. Mm-hmm. You're not like, oh, sorry, Morrigan, I'm busy. Um, so definitely some more working with her. do. Um, I- So do you mean like my daily practices or Um, my personal philosophy on life? uh, Probably more like this one's like
0: your personal philosophy on life sort of situation. Okay. Well,
1: so um, my personal philosophy on life is to be open and to be fearless even when you're terrified, Mm -hmm. Um, hence why I'm in London, because it wasn't like, oh, not even scary at all, it was absolutely terrifying
0: mm-hmm.
1: um in a lot of ways, and that 's what made it so fulfilling and um, I take a lot of a lot of opportunities when they come up um, there's actually these these students at Westminster university, and um they're they put out this ad for like a documentary Mm -hmm. and um, nobody was answering the ad. And I was like, Oh, well I'll come in and talk to you guys about magic for a little while. And now I I have like this whole documentary I'm filming and like close-ups and shots. And it's like this whole experience. So, um, yeah, my, my personal philosophy on life is to go where life takes me and to be open to things. Um, I think a lot of people get held in place by fear and mm-hmm. that's understandable because, you know, fear exists for a reason. You know, it, there's a biological reason for fear. You know, if we're right. getting chased by a bear, we want our bodies to kick into overdrive. But, um, like, fear and stress start taking over our lives at some point. and And um, this happens a lot. And I think it keeps people from realizing their full potential. And I have – it's probably an irrational fear, but – I think all fears probably are, but I have this irrational fear of not living up to my fullest potential, and Mm -hmm. so um, every day I'm trying to be like a little better version of myself than I was yesterday.
0: That's great. When did you start your, like, have you always been pagan, or is that something that uh, just happened? (laughs) so
1: a a little of both like I I was definitely born pagan but I didn't know I was um, I was pagan until I was in my late teens Um, was raised Southern Baptist Mm -hmm. so you know we went to church and and then we went to church and then and then you do some more church Mm -hmm. and um, you don't really get exposed to a lot of other belief systems but I've always been big into history like ancient history, the older, the better. So even back then, you know, I was couldn't get enough of Egypt and Greece and Rome and uh, the Paleolithic cultures and, you know, cave paintings. And, you know, I was a very um, precocious seven-year-old at that point. <laughs> and um, so when me and my mom moved um, away from California, um there wasn't as much emphasis on church and she kind of gave me this freedom to explore and so it was when i was about 16 17 ish um i found a book by silver raven wolf to write a silver broomstick i know it, it was my very first <laughs> book on on witchcraft it was the first time in my life i had picked up a book and and been like oh my gosh i uh, mm-hmm. like everything in this book rings true for me and, um, like, because I'd always wondered, I was like, what happened to the Greek gods? Why why can't I just worship them? Like, it didn't make sense right. that I couldn't just worship gods who had existed before. Like, they didn't just vanish. And um, so that book really, I was finally able to put a name to what I was. And, you know, um, a, and it's changed over years, you know. But you, it's that first droplet, that first moment of recognition, that um, that really started me on my path, and there was more to the question.
0: No, I think it did great. Okay. Um, that was my second book. What was it? What was your first? Uh, Dancing with Dragons by DJ Conway. That was my second or third book. <laughs> I have a feeling you and I are about the same
1: age. <laughs> but they were all the rage back then in that time we don't mention. That's right. <laughs> no. They were. And, you know, I'm really thankful for those books because they made it okay. Yeah. To, to be like, oh, this is why I'm such a weird kid and I'm always picking up rocks and I, you know, <laughs> go make potions in the yard with like mud and grass. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm making a potion. Like, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. I think you're the first person that has had the exact two books. Oh, okay, you're fine. I must yeah. have
1: written so many notes in that book. It was.
0: Oh, right. I wish I still had my original copies. Me too. Um, I re- bought you... both of them recently, uh, but the, the original covers were so cool. And did yours the have the
1: woman on the broom and like the purple cover? Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the dancing with dragons was like a lavender color and yes. with dragons. Yeah, neither of them are the same anymore. Mm. So sad. So do you have a favorite um, metaphysical or occult book now? Uh,
1: well, kind of. Um, well, I, I'm a big fan of the um, Icelandic sagas. Um, you know, mm-hmm. They're part of my Norse practice. But interestingly enough, one of my favorites is the Dancing Wu Li Masters, which is about physics. But, um wow. Yeah, but physics and magic closely relate, like, more than most people realize. And yeah. if, there was, if there was not so much math and physics, I would be a physicist because I just think um, <laughs> I, I think energy and strength. Like, I find it all so fascinating. I'm just not going to do the math for it. So, um, yeah, and Dancing Wu Masters talks about how light is alive. Like, you, you can't get, like, much more metaphysical than that.
0: Right, right. That's really interesting. I agree with you on the math situation. I was just thinking, I physics are super, very super interesting to me, but yes, math, like, shuts my brain down, as you can see. I was mean, just thinking about it. I was like, oh, uh. uh, that was my bad. I should not have said the word math. It, like, I was almost right there with you.
1: Yes. It's okay. I won't my start daughter. doing any.
0: Good, 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 good. good. If it's math two plus two, we have problems. I know. My my little girl is, um, like I said, she's almost 16, and my son is right behind her. He's almost 15. And they're at the point in their math careers where I can no longer help them Mm. um, because they're actually doing higher-level math than I did in college because I was so really, really amazing at math, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, she's in um, Algebra 2 now. Okay. uh, and going into trade next year, I'm like, mm, oh. Oh, sorry, okay. <laughs> there's nothing I can do. She was asking me something the other day, and I was like, I I can't compute <laughs> words. Uh, I was an English major. <laughs> See, I, took,
1: I think I took, like, math for the liberal arts for my math credit or something like that. Nice. Right? Like, basically, like, I don't even remember what. It, it was still hard math, but, it,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I had to take accounting for part of, like, one of my additional certificates, and that, I barely passed that. Like, literally by the skin of my teeth passed mm. that. oh, it was horrible.
1: true So, for my undergrad, I had to do, like, chemistry and statistics.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Oh, my gosh. Statistics is, like, like people who are statisticians, like, my hat is off to them.
0: Like, yeah. yes, cause <laughs> Thank God for you because it's not working for me. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> That's funny. If somebody told me I had to take little, see, I can't even say it. <laughs> I know. It's one of those it's words. <laughs> Do you have a current favorite uh metaphysical author of today's world? Or I mean of that time? Well, okay. So I I know a few
1: metaphysical authors. So um, Najah Lightfoot um, and Melanie Barnum are like two of the most amazing spirits you will ever meet, Um, you know, and and their books are good, too. So... um, highly recommend and they're just they're bubbly and they're they're kind and I, I met them at the International New Age Trade Show last mm-hmm. year and I was, I was scared because you know I'm this fledgling author and I'm up for an award and oh what if they don't like me and they were just like super welcoming and all that and um um and then the Ferrars of course. Like you you have to go with Janet and Stuart Ferrar. because mm-hmm. um, it, it's like with with as much as I like a lot of the new takes that uh, modern authors including myself are are taking on on magic like you Mm -hmm. can't you can't forget what started it all so
0: right
1: yeah definitely although I will say if Silver Ravenwolf is listening I've been dying to get a hold of her to say like hey
0: thank you for your book you wrote yeah Silver I agree (laughs) 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 that's funny I I just kind of got into the community. Like, I've always kind of been there, but I've just got into this kind of a community here in the last uh, couple of years. And it's interesting because the more people that I interview, the closer I'm getting to her. <gasps> oh. Uh, so I've, I'm going to get there. So I've, I've now interviewed Amy Blackthorne. Okay. Who, who is close with Matt Oren. And Silver Ravenwolf writes all of his forewords. So... I'm
1: getting there. See, and me and Matt are friends <laughs> on Instagram. Very nice. Very yeah. Nice. see? So, yeah, no, if you do, if you manage to, like, get her on the show, please tell her I said hi. I
0: will. I will. All right. I'll, I'll let her know. <laughs> okay, Alvin <laughs> went Dawn wants to hang out, so let's all go have coffee in London.
1: I, exactly. <laughs> yes.
0: So all. There's only
1: about a million and a half places to choose from for coffee, so... <laughs>
0: That's funny. Yeah, I've never been to London, but it's definitely on my list. I have I have a lot of friends in the UK. I just don't, haven't had a chance to get over there yet. Someday. 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 Someday, hopefully soon. Yeah, yeah, I would really love to get over there. I really want to go to uh, Edinburgh.
1: Oh, I haven't been up there yet, but it's like a train right away, so. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe I'll come visit you and we can go together. Okay, I'm totally in. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So you've you've now written two books and you're on your third. Mm-hmm. Of the books that you have written, which one has been the most enjoyable to write?
1: I love writing all my books. Um, th- no, I I would say um, Paganism for Prisoners, um, mm-hmm. because first of all, I I knew nothing about writing, right? Like mm-hmm. it, this is one of those books that was a calling. It was. Um, something that, like, I just, every fiber of my being said, you need to write this book. You need to write this book. You need to write this book. Everything lined up. Llewellyn was like, sure, yeah, write this book. We'll give you a contract. I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got a contract. So I had all this excitement of, like, figuring out, like, what to do and what it was going to look like. Um, and then, it, and I've learned so much since then, you know, um, it, But that's, that's why it's my first book is because like, it was just, it was this labor of love that I poured my heart and soul into. And, uh, I wrote it while I was getting my undergrad, I actually got my contract right before COVID. Um, so all of 2020, I'm sitting there like tap, 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 Mm -hmm. tap, tap. It really, um, helped me keep my sanity to have something to do and a goal to work towards. So, um. Yeah, I I loved writing um, Paganism for Prisoners. And I'm also – some of the fiction pieces um, I've started working on, like, are really just hard to not fall in love with.
0: That's great. That's great. So do you like the character development or the world development more about your creative writing?
1: Um, Character, probably. Like, definitely – I always find myself at this point where I'm like, how much of me do I want to make my character? And Mm -hmm. uh, I think authors, we really need to watch out for that because if I'm writing about, you know, um, a truck driver, you know, in the 1940s, he can't have my same voice, you know. And so I really love the challenge that comes in that. And uh, recently, since I've moved here, I I started like – taking my headphones out when I ride around on the bus and stuff, and just, like, listening to, like, people talking. Great. And, it, yeah, I really love, like, the little snippets of conversation you get, and, like, sometimes they're out of context, and it's absolutely wonderful.
0: That's great. I um, So I originally had got, well, I went to school to be a writer, um, and then I went and worked for the government because I couldn't make any money <laughs> as a writer. <laughs> so, um Well, and I have kids, and there was a bunch of other things that happened. But um, I loved, I really loved my nonfiction, my nonfiction creative writing class the best. Mm. Because, well, first of all, my teacher was a former writer for National Geographic. But he was also a photographer for National Geographic. So he would, like, share his pictures with us and say, give me a story about this picture which was oh. just super interesting. But then he would also send us out into the real world and have us sit there and take everything in and write a piece about a moment in time at you know the gym or at the city park or whatever. It was really a fascinating class. I thought I was going to hate it, but I loved it. I think it was my favorite. I, I, yeah, I I could see how that would
1: be. I, I took a... Uh wasn't a nonfic- well it was contemporary essay, which mm-hmm. is kind of like in the same um in the same non fiction gamut, yeah, it's really hard to not fall in love with non fiction once you experience it
0: yeah, 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 I like being able to talk shop thank you <laughs> <That's
1: exciting>. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like where did you go? what are you working on now? <laughs>
0: All right. So now, now we talked about your favorite book that to write. Right. Now, tell us about the one that has been the most stressful or least fun. Um,
1: the one I'm working on now. Well, it's like it's very fun. I'm getting a master's degree right now, oh, um, yeah. so it's um, it, it's stressful. And like, I'm I'm really glad that I took time over the summer to get a head start on it. Um, because if not, I would be in full panic mode right now. I'm like, just in case my editor and publicist are listening, I am a, like three-quarters of the way there, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I really, I like what I'm writing. It's just, um, you know, there, there's other stuff, and there, there's readings, and there's assignments, and there's, you know, workshopping groups, and there's classes, and my brain is really, really, really full, mm-hmm. cool, but... Um, I do find that when I set aside time to work on that book, I I get a sense of peace from it. So even though it's it's super stressful at times with everything else going on, um, I'm sure I'm going to look back and I'm going to be like, "Ooh, there's going to be like this love frustration Mm -hmm. kind of relationship with it.
0: Yeah, you'll look at it and be like, oh, that child was difficult, but I'm so glad the way I
1: raised it. <laughs>
0: right? I
1: I gave it the time it needed. That's right. And, look, and it's going to be like 111 spells in that, so it's going to be like... Oh, you know, nice. Hoping it's like 500 pages or something, just like people can't even lift it off the shelf. <laughs>
0: That's, That'll be a chunky boy, huh? That's yeah. Awesome. So... I know that you spoke about this in your books, but I would love for you to tell us the motivation behind uh, your first two books. So, um,
1: and I mentioned this in my book, so I don't mind sharing. Um, I was incarcerated um, like a decade ago, Um, a little over now, like 11, 11, 12. I don't even know, like a long time ago. And, um, you know, when I was in there, um, I got kind of this reconnection with my pagan spirituality, you know, out working on on farm crew. And, you know, luckily the prison I was at had a library, and it had so, some witchy books in it. And, like, I must have hand copied. Like, I was like, oh, I definitely need this love spell. Because, you know, that's mm-hmm. what's super important when you're in prison is, you know. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and I copied, like, you know, stories and Um, into these books I could buy. And then when I got out, you know, I I, I found a teacher and I started on the path of initiation. And it was like the first thing I had ever followed through um, on in my whole life.
0: Like,
1: you know, everything else I'd been like, oh, it's hard, I'm going to quit. Oh, it's easy, I'm going to quit. Oh, it's a Tuesday, I'm going to quit. But this Mm -hmm. I I stuck with. And um, so I got my first degree and I got my second degree. And about this time, um, there were two... Chaplains who used to come into the prison I was at, Martin and Carrie, and they've both passed on now. But um, they would come in and they dedicated like time and like energy and like like back then, you know, we all just wanted our cards read. You know, oh, read my right. cards, read my cards, read <laughs> my cards. Um, but the opportunity came for me to take a, a class into the prisons with them and. I saw it as very um, uh, synchronistic um, Mm -hmm. at the time, the way everything was falling into place. And um, shortly after Martin passed, and me and Carrie went in for another few years. And something I noticed is that the women who were in there, when I would be giving them these lessons, these year-in-a-day style lessons I had made, they were starving for more. Like They could not wait. They were passing up like a lot of the the christian groups come in and they bring in like cake and pizza and like throw a party and they were passing that up to come and get spiritually fed and so it really occurred to me that i needed to find a way to reach more people and since cloning myself was out um, (laughs) i decided i wanted to try and write a book and put all these lessons into a book and um, carrie introduced me to somebody at Llewellyn who loved the idea and, um, you know, I've been with them since. And it's really um, kind of forward thinking of them to see like this need, you know, Mm -hmm. most people don't care about prisoners.
0: Right.
1: You know, most people are like, oh, they shouldn't have committed crimes, you know, and there's so much more complexity to it than that, you know, like, oh, why didn't I just, of course I should have just stayed out of jail, like silly me. Like, it's not that easy. Yeah. So, you know, writing these books, um, like my whole goal was to give people something that could help them work on themselves. And whatever that ends up looking like, you know, whether they go out and they do a complete 180 and they're, they're different people or whether they, you know, make a few small footsteps, that's not up to me. I just wanted right. them to have a resource to know that, like, look, somebody cares about you enough mm-hmm. to write a book for you. You know, with yeah. the intent of helping you change your life. And so that's, that's the whole reason behind both of my first two books. You know, just absolute labors of love. Like, can't even tell you how many, like, nights out I turned down because I was like, no, I've got to write these books. I've got to write these books. I, gotta, I just had this idea. I have to go home and write these books. And, like, they were consuming for, for a couple years. And, um, and they will always be my passion projects.
0: That's so great. I you know I get a chance to review so many books. Um and I, I was going through Llewellyn's catalog and I saw your books and I was like, I have I have to get my hands on those. Um I have a huge respect for you writing these books and showing the world that, you know, these people are people too, you know, and they need support because th- Statistically, there's that word. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't get the support when they go onto parole, then they'll, they'll probably they go back in, and that's not what we want. We want the prison system to be so that people can be reformed and be put back into normal society as uh, functioning humans. That's that's what it's for. It's not to, I don't know. Yeah. Don't get me too far down that rabbit hole, but. <laughs>
1: No, I, I would go down that rabbit hole right with you because that's that's what I think a lot of people assume it is. Mm-hmm. But like, if you don't give people resources, you don't give them skills. You're cutting funding. Women have to buy their own tampons. You're you know putting mm-hmm. them to, to labor for like ten cents a day. You know, you're not addressing any of the core causes then what do you expect people to do? Like, it is so much easier to go back and, um, and it's called laying it down. Like, you mm-hmm. go lay down and do your time. It's, it's so much easier to just go through your sentence like that than to go out on parole and be like, okay, I'm going to get a job and take all these UAs and make all these appointments and do all these things that I have to do. Like, it's, like it's no wonder people just want to go, like, nap you know, and have their jail job and like have people put money on their books. Like it's a lot easier. Like working on yourself is hard. It's much more rewarding. Yeah. But it's hard. And like, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in if we started addressing the causes earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, um, this may or may not be controversial, but I, I think children at a younger age shouldn't necessarily need parental consent to get mental health treatment. Like, um, and that can look like different things. It might not necessarily be like, oh, put your kids, you know, on medications without parental consent. But, mm-hmm. like, if you're growing up in a household and both your parents, like, a, a parent's abusive, one's neglectful, like, oh, hey, can I go to therapy to go talk to, talk about how bad you guys are? Like, you. Y- y- that's, the problem is starting right there and we're not taking any opportunities to stop it. And then, like, it just gets worse because by the time you're an adult, like, oh, oh, only crazy people get therapy. And I, right. I will say this right now. I, I love that I have a therapist. It's one of the first mm-hmm. things I did when I got to London, you know, was get a therapist. Cause I get to talk about myself for an hour a week and have somebody give me good feedback and insight. And we should really be enforcing this and making it yeah. like, oh my gosh, you go to therapy? Me too. Oh, who's right. your therapist? Oh, are they any good? Yeah, no, I've been thinking about, like, we should be having these conversations in the same way we would if we were buying shoes. Yeah. You know, absolutely. like, oh, are
0: they comfortable? Are they reasonably priced? Yeah. We're always talking about self-love and self-care, but I th- I think you're right. The, the mental health aspect is not something that is uh, considered enough. I, and I think you're right. I think that it should be available for children without their parents' consent, up to, I mean, obviously up until a point. Right. But, but yeah, I it, i agree completely.
1: Yeah, even if it's just going in and, like, hey, I'm having a problem, and, like, you know, this is happening at home, and I don't feel like I can talk to my parents. Like, we would stop so much right there. Right. Just, like, You know, uh, it's, yeah, we could be doing so much more, so much more.
0: Yeah, even just being more accessible for kids, period. Like, um, it shouldn't be scary for a kid to go to ask for help or for, you know, guidance or anything. Like, that should just be something that they do. Yeah.
1: Like, make it, like, like they do like a class, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. so, you know, every student gets like an hour a week and they go and they talk and they all have the yeah. same experience. So it's not like a kid getting singled out. It should be normalized. Yeah, that's It should nice. be like right after math class. Ew. Um, that's when you need the therapist. <laughs> the <best> <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: we need to remove the stigma around all of that. I agree completely. You have a new book coming up and you said it's about spell work. Is it also in this sort of um, trajectory with the prisoners and the parolees or is it a completely different situation? It's
1: kind of like um, a little bit of what I've done previously, but it's, they're all designed to help, to help people address things like, like magical manifestations that relate to mental health. Great, You know, so the spell work in there, like the first chapter, unless my editor changes this. So (laughs) right now, my first Uh chapter is creating safe space, you know, a safe space to do the work. And then like, um, I'm right now working on the archetypes chapter, like going and and meditating with that addict archetype Mm -hmm. and um, the inner child archetype. And I've got a spell in there where you throw your inner child a birthday party, you know, and that oh, nice. yeah, and so they all have that same sort of um healing tangent. There's not gonna be um, you know, um <laughs> there's not gonna be a help me, you know get somebody to fall in love with me spell or you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: none of that kind of stuff. But um it is important work.
0: You yeah. know, and
1: I took a lot of the ideas in Paganism for Prisoners and Paganism on Parole, and I'm moving into this book, um, but I wanted it to be like, okay, now it's, now it's everybody else's turn to also mm-hmm. do this work. Because I, I think a lot of people forget that just because you're not in prison, just because you don't have any diagnosed mental health symptoms, um, diagnoses, you know, you can grow up in like a stable environment, you know, have all mm-hmm. this stuff. doesn't mean you don't get to work on yourself.
0: Right.
1: Everybody right. should be working on themselves. Like, if you are the same person you were yesterday, what did you do with the day?
0: Right.
1: You know? And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I hope um, that I keep learning and changing and growing for the rest
0: of my life every day. Right. Oh, they're so going to get, get it. I know. They're going to get it. Because we're <laughs> going to have a bark that strike. <laughs> you know so, they at see, least Get it? No. They no. don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know. You know, it would be a great book. Is paganism for addicts? Mm. I couldn't write it, but somebody somewhere put it out there. That would be a great one.
1: I I've pitched an idea like um, paganism and recovery to Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm waiting to hear back on that one. Um. Yeah, because it, it is important. Like in yeah, I have many ideas for the directions it could go, you know. And um, mm-hmm. but I can only write apparently two books at a time is my limit because so I'm tr- I'm trying to write three right now and it's you know a little hectic. <laughs> so two at a time is my limit. Um, you know, so we'll see where it goes. Like yeah. I'm even if like you know I break into when when I break into fiction and get, you know, bestsellers and people who love my books, I'm still going to write books for Llewellyn because that's how I feed my spiritual self.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, I really, uh, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Okay, so now we're getting into the fun stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you had to choose three things that you had to have on your altar, mm. what would they be? Only three? Yeah. What are, what are the three most important things that you have on every altar that you ever set up?
1: Um, a raven, a candle, and an essential oil. Okay. I think with those three things, I could do just about any spell I would ever need to.
0: And which, do you have one essential oil in particular that you use more than any other one? Um, It's actually a blend. Um,
1: It's a creativity blend I got from back in Denver. I bought a bottle of it before I left just so I would have more. Mm -hmm. I don't don't remember all what's in it, um, but I I use that one a lot. And uh, actually, interestingly, in a pinch, you can also use perfume. Perfume works. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like sage. I like... I like dragon's blood, even though, you know, it's not real dragon's blood anymore, because we've got to save the dragon's blood trees. But, you know, I still like the scent, so Um, anything that's sort of bark, earthy, Mm -hmm. I really like.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, I love essential oils. I'm actually starting to blend my own oils. Um, I've been trying to do, like, one a month for my Patreon uh, supporters, but this month, I didn't have two of the normal oils that I always use, and I was very upset. I had to send out my stuff without an oil this month. So, but I have them They're right there. On my You're gonna get letters. Uh, gonna I be. probably have. <laughs> Actually, thankfully, all four of my patrons um, have me on uh, Marco Polo, so they can yell at me, you know, in person. <laughs> okay, great. Where they'll probably be like,
1: Did you forget? The I know. Oil? Did it fall out?
0: I threw extra stuff in there, just you know. Okay.
1: I get yeah, some you can't. Chocolate. Okay, no, you're not getting any angry letters, Yeah, it will be, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be just fine.
0: They're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> do you have a daily practice? Uh, something that you do every day that you would like to share with us? I do. Um, it's not. I mean, it's mostly
1: every day, but um, I keep a gratitude jar, um, a blessings jar. And I have all these colored pieces of paper and like every time something awesome happens in my life, which I'm really fortunate is almost every day, I write it on a piece of paper and I stick it in the jar and then um, on New Year's I open it up and I read all of them and I've started keeping a book and it's... I wish I was more artistic. It's just like scraps of paper glued in there with an occasional sticker. <laughs> so it's <not> like, <laughs> like it's so artistic. But um, I started keeping them for all the years. Um, you know, and every year I have more and more and more and more pieces of paper. So um, I do that, and I have little mantras written on my mirror, little things I want to remember, and like and runes, and like one will say like, "You're a badass." I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, I am a badass. So, like, I start every day with that, with that mindset, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just prepare myself like that. And I'm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, the, and then there's the little thing, like, you know, throwing my trash in the recycling. You know, like practices like that that come every day.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, those are those are important practices too. I I, I love
1: are. the gratitude jar. That is such a great idea. Yeah, and you would be surprised, like, the more you put in that, like, last year, it was so full, I had to, like, yank pieces out, (laughs) like, it was just stuffed, and I had to remake a new one when I got to London, and I haven't found, like, my one in in Denver was, like, a big, huge jar, and, like, Mm -hmm. things aren't as big in the UK, so I haven't found, like, one of the giant jars yet. but yeah, Scott, and I'm stuffing those in there so full, so probably have to pull them out with tweezers or something. That's so funny. <laughs> Break I the glass or wine around it.
0: corks, but maybe that's not a healthy collection. <laughs> maybe I should mean, be collecting other things. <laughs> I mean, maybe
1: you're just like Park Crow or something, and you're like, oh, maybe. look, cork. I mean, yeah, um, maybe.
0: Yeah. I actually got to the point where I have to start. I throw them away because I don't have any more room. Do you have any, like,
1: really fancy ones that you keep? Like, well, it's, like, carved, like a swan.
0: Uh, no, not really. I have a lot with um, Boston Terriers on them. <gasps> Aww. Because one of my favorite wines has a Boston Terrier on it. Um, but, yeah, just every cork that I have is a bottle that I drink. And the sheer volume of corks that I have is probably not something I should be proud of.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, as long as they're not all from today, I mean, it's probably No, fine. no, no. No, no.
0: Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, see? So. Yeah, I mean, it's over the last, like, 10 years of my, 15 years of my life, but it's still but, a I
1: lot. Mean, once you open the bottle, you can't, like, not drink it, though, because you can't, like, put the cork back in, you know? right.
0: Right, so you have to finish it. Corks of (laughs) quitters. (laughs) It's not a healthy relationship with alcohol, Amberly. (laughs) (laughs) New question. Okay. New answer. (laughs) Have you ever had, or do you have, a familiar?
1: Um, I have. Um, I don't. I don't currently have one, um, so I'm not allowed to have pets where I live, unfortunately, but that'll change soon. Um, So I used to have a cat, and he disappeared one Samhain, and Mm. um, after that, I had uh, hamsters, actually, as my familiars, and they make great familiars. If you put them in their ball and, like, put them in circle, they just kind of, like, hang out, you know, or you carry Mm. them, you know, on your shoulder. Um, Had a couple of hamster familiars. That's awesome. I've never heard that one. That's great. I like it. I, well, And they're just like so, and I get the big Syrian hamsters, you know, the ones mm-hmm. that are like, you know, just the last one I had was giant. Oh, my gosh. It was so big. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, they always came into ritual with me and just kind of hung out.
0: That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, so you talked about um, you're, you're following the Norse pantheon right now. um and the Morgans coming back in. Do you have one uh, one patron deity that you would say that you work with the most, or does it vary?
1: I tend to work with Freya a lot. Um, I think she encompasses a lot of things, um, and she's misunderstood. Like, I don't see a lot of people equate her to, like, um, Aphrodite, and I don't see her as that kind of, like, love goddess. I see her more like a, you know, Love to set boundaries. Love yourself. Love to kick mm-hmm. some ass, kind of goddess. Um, yeah, and, you know those different aspects of love. So, I I, I work with her a lot, and um, recently I've started bringing the muses back in, which is is fitting. Um, you know, so primarily Freya. Uh, for a long time, I worked with the Morrigan almost exclusively because like. She- You've got to put a lot of energy into working with the more again. Yeah, but um, kind of open to whoever. Like, even, like, Kali, I've done some rituals with her, and those are
0: so intense. Nice. Nice. Do you have, do you prefer tarot or oracle? Or Oh, tarot. Okay. Do you have a favorite deck?
1: Um, my favorite one for reading is The Witch's Tarot um okay. that's my my public reading deck uh the images like talk to me a lot um the colors are beautiful everybody who sees that deck is like oh my gosh look at your deck i'm like i know thank you as if i designed it um <laughs> and aside from that um i also recently acquired the crow tarot and oh, I, I love it oh it's oh, i'm such a fan like even though it's all like dark like black and white mm-hmm like an occasional smattering of th- i really like it um just and they're fun like mm-hmm. you know like crows are just such quirky animals
0: yeah i actually have four of her decks oh i love every single one of them so much <laughs> so you have the crow tarot i do I okay do. and i have the, the crow oracle okay and then i got her um guardians of the night Tarot and her roar oracle, and they're all amazing. They're all just wonderful. I I love every one of them.
1: <laughs> like note to self: go to the store tomorrow. Yeah, to go spend
0: <laughs> hundreds of dollars on decks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I only. In all
1: fairness, I only brought six with me from Denver. You Aww. know, so well done, I mean, you. I know it was so hard too. Um. Re-gifted to good homes, though. But, yeah, no, I'm, like, almost naked without 47 tarot
0: decks. Right, right. Well, see, now you have more to buy.
1: (laughs) I do. I have a lot more to buy. It's coming out with
0: a new one with cats, too. I think it's (gasps) coming out in March.
1: Oh, cats and crows. Mm -hmm. How delightfully
0: pleasant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I know you do talk about the wheel of the year in your books. Yes. Um, so I'm assuming that means that you celebrate the Sabbath.
1: I do. Yes. Do you have a favorite? That one, of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, that one didn't even like, I didn't even need to think about that one. Um, yeah, no, um, I like it because it, its essence has still survived. Like, all these thousands of years, like, it's kind of basically the same. You know, like, it didn't used to be about candy and, you know, scaring people, but there's always been that sacred element on on the dead and things ending so new things can begin. So, oh, Samhain, for sure.
0: Samhain is a good one. Definitely. Uh, my favorite is Yule. It has to mm-hmm. be. Yule's a good one, too, though. Yeah. Yeah, but I do love that. I mean, between the two of them, they're pretty close.
1: Pretty yeah. But, <laughs> like, this year, so if you love Yule, you need to come out to London and see the lights that they have around that time because, like, Regent Street and Oxford Street all lit up. And, like, everywhere you go, they're like, look, we have light shows for you. And, That's um, awesome. Yeah. It's, I, I spent, like, a whole week just going to new places every day and uh, like, look, lights. And all my friends are like, you and lights. I'm like, but lights, but they're pretty. They're yeah. so
0: pretty. One of my goals before my children get too far away from me because at some point they're going to leave me, you know, um, I, w- I want to take them to Germany.
1: And Ooh. they have
0: a, a river cruise down the Rhine River to, uh, to each of the Christmas festivals. Oh, on the Rhine. I would love that. You should do that this year. I, I mean, I've been trying to do it every year, but it just hasn't happened yet. I mean, <laughs> this is the year. I can feel I it because they're, they're 47 and 32, you know? <laughs> like, right. Well, that's basically how they act, that's for sure. Right. So Except like, for when they need yogurt. <laughs> right. Then they're just 2 <laughs> You're silly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right now. Book your
0: tickets right now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll work on that. That'll be my goal for the year. All right, that's a good goal. I think so. I think so. I have another question. That's that's kind of a fun, a a fun one. If you could pick anyone, anyone in the witch community or the pagan community, in the past or the present, that you could sit down and have dinner with, who would it be?
1: Oh, good choice. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I, like I just, like, I could learn so much from her, you know, because she had that old traditional linear magic that she carried with her from her
0: home. Yeah. and That's awesome. I love that question, or that answer. Yeah. Um, I haven't had that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good answer.
1: And she, and she was the only... um The only one at the Salem witch trials who's actually a witch, you know, like the only one. So was probably one of only a handful during the whole burning times that was actually a witch, to be
0: fair. But right. Crazy, crazy, Christian meanie heads. (laughs) Uh, To put it as lightly as you possibly can. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. All right. Now we're going to switch back over to your books. Um, I know that so you have a huge list of amazing resources in the back of your books, and I appreciate that. I love that so much. How would you suggest any, I don't know if if people are allowed to listen to podcasts in prison, um, but any of my listeners who maybe know somebody who might be interested in your books, how would you suggest that your books be, how can they get them into the system? That's what i so, to say.
1: Okay, so... Um, ideally what would happen is you could just go buy my books and drop them off at a prison and it would all be good. Don't do that. You cannot do that. They will not accept your books. Um, So a couple of ways. One is you can reach out to organizations um, that do prison ministry. Um, Appalachian Prison Ministry is one that comes to mind. There's the Appalachian Women's Prison Book Project, Something. the name is something like that. Um, they're not the only ones. They're just uh, two that I, I was in recent communication with. So you can talk to them mm-hmm. um, and ask them, hey, I want to help get these books in. What's the best way to do that? Some of them can take them in directly. Some of them can't. That's why you kind of have to check with the organization. Um, however, Llewellyn is an approved vendor um, okay. for a lot of prisons. Um, I want to I say federal prison. Don't quote me on that. Like, been a while Um, but when i was in prison they were on the approved vendors list so somebody could order a llewellyn book and have it sent inside so check with um if it's for somebody specific ask them to hey you know johnny i want to get you a copy of this book what is the procedures at your prison Um, so that's that's one way to do it reaching out to those organizations like you said there's a ton listed in the back like send them an email um some of them might take book donations directly some might you know want a monetary contribution things like that but those those are the ways to to get them in or or you can start doing uh prison ministry you know, and then build up a relationship in the prisons and then be like, hey, I want to bring these books in, you know, and then that's, that's a whole different uh, ball game, right there.
0: Right. Um, yeah, prison ministry is on my list of, of things I'm interested in, actually, uh, at some point. So this one isn't on my list, but how would you say a person would best support a parolee when they come out? Mm. There's a
1: lot of elements to that question. Okay. So if you're an employer or uh, a landlord, you can remove your policies of not hiring felons. That would be great. Or not giving housing to felons. Because that's one of the biggest barriers is apartment complexes, like big ones, don't rent to felons. You have to go to somebody who has, like, a smaller complex or a private house, something like that that they're renting. So, so that's a big one. Um, you, can, you, can, you can be supportive in other ways, you know? Um, like, if you know somebody, right? And, and this is very important, okay? If you know somebody, it does not mean you have to do everything for them. Please don't do that, okay? Boundaries are important to keep. Um, I'm not in the business of pretending that people who have been to prison are saints or angels, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, just because there's reasons behind it, um, behind why people go to prison, doesn't mean that they're good people who are just innocent, okay? Th- though there are some. But you can be supportive by donating to organizations that support prisoners. Um, DU Pi in Denver, the uh, Denver University of Denver Prison Arts Initiative. Um, they do a lot of work uh, with helping um, people transition from prison to parole. Um, you can get involved in advocacy. Um, when you vote, you can vote for things that uh, have a more mental health focus versus a prison focus. Um, something like mandatory sentencing. like. Well, you can see why some people may have, might have put that in place. That's actually really dangerous. You know, it should be a case-by-case basis. You know, um, it, there's a huge difference between defending yourself, you know, and you accidentally kill somebody in the process and, like, going on a seven-state killing spree. Huge difference in all kinds of gray in between. So um, getting rid of a lot of the misconceptions, like, have a conversation with somebody who's on parole. Right. Like, a lot of people are really cool. Some of the most incredible artists I've ever met are doing time in prison. Because if you have that artistic mindset, you tend to not fit into the social norms. Like,
0: mm-hmm. even
1: even me, like, I want to be an author. Like, the idea of going to work every day and having a job that's 9 to 5 and I come home and I'm like, ah. <laughs> you know, it's... Like like some people do great, and that's what their lives need. But for me, like it's so soul crushing. And I imagine for people who are artists and just want to express their art, it's the same way. So that's another thing you can do is you can you can buy art. You know, you can do that for people who are in prison. There, look, I mentioned Du Pi earlier, Um, but you you can search for organizations. Um, There's also you can write to. You can write to prisoners um, and and things of that nature. Um, Yeah, oh, and this is more for when they're incarcerated, but also applies a little bit for out. You can volunteer to teach classes. Like if you um, have a bachelor's degree, you can probably teach somebody basic English. You know, you can probably work with them to improve their English skills or go through a resume with them. You know, these are all things that we need people to volunteer to do.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I I don't know why that wasn't on my initial questions, but I'm glad I thought (laughs) of it before we were done. (laughs) I can't work under this kind of pressure. (laughs) Um, So now we're at the point um, where I would love to ask you to share um, a spell or ritual with us.
1: Yes, I would love to. I do... um... I have to pull it up on my screen. I do not have it memorized. Oh, I'm excited that you're using the Crow Oracle.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. It's a signed copy too. <gasps>
1: lucky you. <laughs> I mean, that must be a good, like, added benefit of having a close working relationship with Llewellyn.
0: Well, actually, um, this one's published through Hay House, and but her on her website, all she sells all of her stuff signed. You have an option to buy it signed. So. Oh. That's, That's how I brilliant. got. Brilliant, yeah. That's brilliant, yeah. So uh, the other ones, I think I bought through Amazon, but this one I got through her website, which is quite fine.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna do that now. I'm gonna be like, hey, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it'd be a good way for you to sell some extra copies of your book, though. It would. Nice copies, yeah. It would. All right. So you ready
1: for the ritual? I am. All right. I'm excited. All right, so are we doing the card read first or the meditation? Let's do the meditation. Okay, so um, I, have, I have a little intro part that I'm going to read before we go into the, um, so this is the plug and unplug meditation. This is uh, from my upcoming book, which is, working title is 111. Um, so we live in a connected world. And while this affords us many opportunities to learn and create digital careers and connect in ways that were inconceivable 50 years ago, it can overload us. This meditation will help you to unplug temporarily from the world so that you can connect to the divine within and all around. You will be plugging into the natural world. To begin, put your phone, laptop, tablet, all electronic devices in another room. Make sure that they are all turned off or to silent mode. Turn off the TV and all other electronics. If possible, use candlelight instead of electricity in in the room you're meditating in. The less electricity you are using, the more you will unplug and the more effective this meditation will be. If you like to have music while you meditate, choose something instrumental and have the source be outside the room. Now... Get comfortable and close your eyes. See yourself sitting on a plateau high above the valley below. There's a river flowing, wind blowing. The sun is just peeking over the horizon. It is warm enough to evaporate the dew off the grass that surrounds you, but not to remove the crispness of the night. The moon still hangs as a sliver in the sky. As you sit here, Become aware of a plug that connects you to all the digital technology in the world. Reach back and gently pull this plug out of your head, knowing that it will not harm you to remove it. As you hold this plug in your hand, become aware of the world around you. Birds singing their morning songs greet you. The smell of daffodils invigorates your mind. The world has become clearer than it has been in months. Maybe years. Look down at the cord you are holding in your hand. Once so controlling, it now lies still and empty without any hum of electricity flowing through it. Since nature does not waste, this plug will be repurposed. First, plunge it into the river below. This cleanse begins the transformation of the cord, cleansing away all the toxins it once contained. Now, roll this cord in the earth, letting the minerals contained in the wires pick up the resonance of the planet. As you go through each element, it looks less and less like some man-made thing and more like the root of a mighty tree, the roots of our mighty selves. Hold this cord up to the sun and let it be charged with the cosmic energy contained in the life-giving orb. The final element is air. As you let the breeze tease its way around the root, you become aware of the great human connection. You become aware that every rock and every drop of water and every bird, fish, and amphibian, that all things are part of you and part of one another. Let this root attach itself to you so that it may serve as a reminder to unplug from technology from time to time and plug into energy of the earth and the stars energy that is immeasurable in age and power. When you are ready, begin bringing yourself back to the mundane world. Sit and be present in your tech-free space for as long as you are able. And know that as you go through your day, you have established a connection that is cosmic and primal. Ooh, I liked that. I got the chills.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. for. Yeah, it, was, it succeeded. Succeeded. That was very <laughs> good. Um, I love that. And I feel like having envisioned that chord, you know, sometimes you can probably ground yourself throughout the day and just imagine pulling that off for a few minutes, mm-hmm. you know, maybe during your lunch break or, you know, when you take your walk for, you know, afternoon I don't know, that time. I don't know, but <laughs> I work from home, so.
1: I mean, but t- like really, any time, especially if you find yourself mm-hmm. randomly opening apps like every twelve seconds. Not that yes. I ever do that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah, no, I do too. That's why I put that meditation in there. Yeah, it's
0: uh, well, it's kind of a double-edged sword for people like us who uh, are are. Success revolves around people enjoying us and our thoughts and, you know, what we do. So, you know, you always want to see, oh, well, who is paying attention and, you know, Mm -hmm. how many downloads do I have and yada, yada, yada. But also you need to be able to step away from that, especially as a spiritual person. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just going to do a simple poll rather than doing all the super shuffles. All right. So today we got... Preparation. You can see there's two little Aww. crows. They're delightful. Yeah, they're it looks like they're throwing stones into, dropping stones and stuff into something.
1: Well, then they're laughing about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, oh, it's over here. So preparation. Such a, her cards are just so pretty. All right, so here in the Seattle area, we have lots of fairies and the boat kind, not the, the winged kind. And these smart birds have mastered the ferry schedule. The crows know when the boat will return and on which side of the road the cars will disembark. While the ferry is crossing the sound, the birds harvest the clams from the nearby beach. They bring the clams over to the ferry landing and strategically place the clams Just right, so that when the cars leave the boat, they run over the shells, breaking them apart and leaving fresh clam meat for the picking. Preparation speaks to getting ready for something you know is on the horizon and planning for it accordingly. It's all about getting all your ducks in a row, or in this case, clams, so that you can achieve the most beneficial outcome. Well, goodness gracious.
1: They're so smart. I didn't know they did that.
0: I didn't either. That's amazing.
1: You know how long it would have taken me to figure that out if I was the one who had to get clams open. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, they're they're really amazing animals. Uh, I love them. I love them. They know when I'm going outside to put food out for them. Like, they can tell the difference between when I'm going outside to put out food and when I'm going outside to get in my car to leave. It's pretty crazy.
1: They probably have like a whole <laughs> system. They're like, they're like crow one to crow five, crow one to crow five. <laughs> She's
0: coming out with the with the <laughs> peanuts incoming.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Oh
0: man. Uh, now I want to go to Seattle. I I know I want to. Just go see that. I know. Amazing. Amazing animals. All right. So we're, I mean, we're just about finished, but do you have anything else you want to share? Maybe your socials, uh, any websites, where we can find you, upcoming events, maybe foot shinings?
1: Sure. Um, You can find me at a w y n d a w n dot ncom um, um, I'm also on Instagram and, and Twitter. Um and Facebook <laughs> <laughs> I'm on uh Instagram and Twitter at all Dawn, spelled the exact same way as my website, funny enough. Um Facebook is all Dawn official because there there's a there's a backstory there, like me me and Facebook got issues. <laughs> but uh, But I am on Facebook though. Uh Instagram is the most active one. Um my main upcoming events are staring at my laptop and screaming Why? Um Fair. about my characters for the next few weeks. So that's that that'll be fun. Uh, but no, if you follow um that and my Llewellyn author page, um events usually get put on the page. So Wonderful. and Anybody who is interested in the London or general European areas having me come speak, you can contact me through allwendon dot com and mm-hmm. um I I love to be the center of attention. Like I I <laughs> absolutely love podcast and talking to people. So feel free to reach out. I mean, I'll go to America but like it's gonna cost you. So <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: funny. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. I know uh it's 3:30 here, so that means it's what 8:30 there. Yeah. So, I know that you put some stuff aside to hang out with me and I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, no, this this um, is fun. This is a lot of back and forth. It didn't feel so much like an interview as like a okay. conversation. Yeah, about I try to keep it that way. <laughs> Cuz I don't want it to be boring. crows <laughs> <laughs> and math and, you know, yeah. like
0: and statistics
1: <laughs> I, I can't believe I got statistic statistician out earlier. That was like just uh, statistician you just got it out twice. I know.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, but again, thanks again. And uh, uh, yeah, I hope to have you on when your next book comes
1: out. Absolutely. And you know when I start like writing under Ash D. Collins for my fiction books I'll come back on. And I'll talk about great. what it's like to be a fiction writer witch and the combining all those pieces together.
0: That sounds awesome. I'm, yeah. I cannot wait. I cannot yeah. wait. Will you be publishing through Llewellyn for that, or are you going to go through someone else? Uh, well, They don't do fiction, so I have right.
1: to go through someone else. Okay. okay, fair, fair,
0: fair.
1: Yeah. Believe me, I pitched it. I was like, hey, do you got so?"
0: <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get them to do children's books, but they just weren't there. Weren't
1: oh my there. gosh, we have children. When we're, off, when we're off air, I'll tell you about my, my idea
0: for oh, yeah, I
1: a children's there. project.
0: Okay, well then, in that thought, everyone listen. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge, on my website, thehearthandhedge.com, or you can email me at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. I also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash thehearthandhedge. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review wherever you find your podcasts. Today's guest is a high pretext. This
1: is why we have editing.